Hi everyone, I'm Catherine and welcome to the second series of our Quadrant podcast. As you know, this series we've been exploring smart and sustainable cities. This is the last episode of this series and we're talking to Gavin Slater, Glasgow City Council's Head of Sustainability. As the host city of the upcoming UN Climate Change Conference COP26, Glasgow is constantly striving to make their city more sustainable. The city also won funding from Innovate UK to explore innovative ways to explore technology and data to make life in the city safer, smarter and more sustainable. Glasgow is making huge steps in harnessing data and pushing sustainability to improve the lives of those who live there. Thank you so much for joining me today, Gavin. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. It's lovely to be here. Thanks, Catherine. No, thank you for joining. I was interested in talking about the Future City Glasgow programme where you receive funding from Innovate UK. I just wanted to hear a bit more about that programme. Obviously, it's closed now, but I wanted to learn a bit more about that and how it's kind of started your journey towards becoming a smart city. So you're right, yes, the programme officially has closed now, but we um, received a very generous amount of funding from Innovate UK um, to look at the various different ways in which data and smart technologies could really help a city like Glasgow progress. And I think given our background and history and innovation, you know, Glasgow was a, a good choice for that. So. There was various different strands to the programme itself. What we tried to do was cover as much as possible using various different assets, different infrastructure, different ways to analyse and interpret data and look at what those impacts could be. And myself personally, I was um, specifically involved in the energy and sustainability side of that, as you probably wouldn't be surprised given my job title. But there were other elements in there as well about safety and transport. And you know, it involved a lot of different opportunities looking at very technical things. We did things about um, demand side management and using GIS mapping tools and mapping out various different aspects of the city and ways to move about the city or assets that could be used in the city to recover energy, for example, um, using mapping of vacant and derelict land to map out various different policy and planning constraints on land for renewables, but also to put infrastructure in place that would assist um, public services in the city. So a lot of the investment went into very sophisticated CCTV system with various different smart analytic profiles that were on there that allowed us to help work with the city services, you know, and, and managing various different aspects and responses to things and things that unfortunately for the city, you know, came in very handy um, as the city experienced some unfortunate events and you know in other instances where the city experienced some wonderful events like the commonwealth games you know we had this custom built incredible facility that allows us to manage the city making sure that everyone could get about the city quickly and safely and uh, as sustainably as possible so the program you know was incredibly big it, you know included the creation of you know the data centers and um analytics around all of those kind of um, data sets that were collected and gathered across the city, making that data public as well, kind of easy to access, to allow people to start to innovate and build apps and business opportunities out of that information. And it's, you know, it's continued to have an impact long since the the programme closed. So, you know, that um, a lot of aspects of that programme including the data side of it and specifically around the sustainability and intelligent street lighting, um, which is another aspect of the project, which I haven't described. We took all of our old 
sodium lighting and stuff to convert it to high-tech uh, LED lighting, which not only gave us a much better lighting condition for people moving about the city, it also made all of our CCTV much more effective because the colour rendering is much better, but it also acted as a data carrier um, to allow data to be carried about the city, reducing the energy costs and making people, uh, you know, in some cases get access to Wi-Fi and, and different things that may not have had that. So, you know, that sort of extra value being extracted from assets was was, was really useful. Um, so, you know, that then was carried on into other projects. So the uh, Horizon 2020 funded EU project Ruggedized, which is a smart cities and communities project, was directly built off a lot of the work that went on in, in the Future Cities project. So it was a huge, huge, huge win for the city and it's been a, a major influence in the city. But I think it's fair to say as well that for all that it exemplified the many opportunities that innovation and technology can bring with it, it also helped us understand what we as a city really needed to focus on as well. And with any new technology, new innovation, there comes a lot of noise about how this is exactly what everyone needs. But quite often you find that there are certain aspects that really improve life and a lot of other aspects that have you know, much less of an impact. And we definitely learned that through the Future Cities project. No, definitely. It sounded like a really invaluable project for the city. And it was really great that you guys won that funding. So obviously you said that you were more focused on the sustainability side of things. So how do you think technology will kind of support and facilitate this push to, for decarbonisation? Scotland has some of the most ambitious targets um, in Europe, if not in the world, for sustainability. And many of those we are managing to deliver on, and, and that is in no doubt due to technology. You know, the transition and decarbonisation of our electricity network is down to getting to the point where technology can manage the, the energy load that's required and getting us to the point where we are actually through renewables generating more energy than we need. Really what it comes down to then when you start to get past that point is the, you know, the very significant human element um, in the impacts of climate change. And even if renewable energy is abundant, it doesn't mean that we need to consume it all the time. And, and consumer behaviour is a big part of that. And technology more and more, I think, is playing an important role in helping people to understand the actual situation that we're in, to understand the impact of their actions. You know, from apps that can calculate the carbon impact of your shopping from your receipts to various different other things that are out there that are helping people to understand where they can make different or better choices, maybe in how they eat, how they shop, how they travel. Technology is having a, a huge role in that. And, you know, obviously things like electric vehicles and different heating systems and buildings are allowing us to transition away from fossil fuels. And it's technology dependent, it really is. But while I say all that, and, and that's all really good and interesting stuff, I think there is a, another challenge as well. And the, the rate of change of technology and the rate of change of innovation can make it quite difficult from a public policy position to, to bank on one type of technology. So, you know, there's new technologies coming out every other month that are purporting to do all kinds of wonderful things, which makes massive transitions quite challenging because you never you never quite know if there's another new technology just around the corner waiting to be even better. No, it's, it's actually really interesting you say that because I've never thought about how rapidly technology changes and how that can impact the technologies that you choose. So it is really interesting. And I guess that is that ease of access to data that people have 
does I think really help show the areas that need to kind of be tackled the most and I have done a bit of work recently with one of your colleagues about this new policy and this new plans that Glasgow have got coming in the future to introduce more safe pedestrian zones and to make the city more green have more outdoor spaces for people create 20-minute neighborhoods because they're in turn more environmentally friendly because people can walk to the shops over drive there is there anything else happening in Glasgow at the moment that you can tell us about that kind of shows that drive to harness technology to improve the lives of the people who live there yeah, I mean, there are there are lots of things going on all the time um, and there are a few that, that are, there are many that would be worth mentioning and probably don't have the time to go through them all. But, you know, we have done various different things around mapping. Mapping has been a really big thing as people have got to the point where everyone basically has a map in their pocket all the time. We are able to map things about the city that, you know, information that people wouldn't have had previously that helps them make decisions and move about the city and you know we have brought in um like the automated cycle hire the mass automated cycle hire which is access through technology you know through mobile phones booking it that way we have installed more and more sensors across the city which allow us to monitor in real time other particulates that we hadn't previously looked at other chemicals so we can you know we've always monitored um, air quality, for example, from transport through passive methods and collection tubes, whereas we are now looking at more active, smart ways of doing that through integrated sensors that are integrated into our street lighting columns. You know, we're using our, our street lighting columns also to charge electric vehicles, so we're bringing together a whole range of different technologies which are, um, you know, helping people to get the services they need without over cluttering the streets or making life more difficult or harder to get about as well but at the same time we have to be very aware that when we make this transition from where we were I guess to a more sustainable net zero future and it's carbon future we need to be looking at ensuring that that transition is just and that's a really you know a key focus for Glasgow I think it's something that set the city aside across the world is that focus on making sure that we take the whole city along with us. So there's lots of stuff going on in the city. And obviously with COP26 fast approaching, there are more and more things happening to help us understand what the city's doing. You know, we've declared a state of climate and ecological emergency. We're about to produce this month our finalised climate emergency plan. Um, and a lot of that and the solutions that that proposes are concentrated on data you know they are concentrated on technology we have a, a circular economy route map that we produced at the end of last year and again a lot of the stuff that's in there about building um, facilities you mentioned the 20-minute neighborhoods you've been speaking to my colleagues about you know we want to make sure that people are able to access the circular economy and to reuse and repair whatever it is they have whether that's electronic devices or materials or textiles in their local area and quite often the way to do that is to make them aware through technology to make them aware that on a map there is a facility nearby that they can take their laptop and get it fixed as opposed to buying a new one or to take their clothes to to be repurposed for someone else instead of being thrown in the bin so there are a huge number of things going on that really accelerate that transition to where we want to be as a net zero carbon city um, which are almost always underpinned by technology. 
sure there is um, a lot going on. And like you said, it is COP26 is on the horizon. And I'm sure for you as the city's head of sustainability, that must be incredibly exciting that you are the host city. Do you think that Glasgow's drive to really push these sustainable goals, targets and projects and, and the Future Cities programme and all the other things that the city has been doing to support these decarbonisation goals, do you think that is why you were chosen to be the host city of this incredibly significant and important conference? I think Glasgow's position on the global stage is fairly well recognised now. I think it's understood that Glasgow is a city of innovation, it's a city of creation, um, you know, it's a city of endeavour. And we have gone a long way from being fundamentally responsible for the Industrial Revolution and the impact on the climate to being one of the front runners, one of the vanguard cities in terms of moving beyond that carbon rich, carbon intensive past to one of being sustainable and and net zero carbon. And we've done that through a lot of hard work. We've done that through a lot of partnership working and a lot of innovation. You know, we've, we've done some incredibly interesting things like the Sustainable Glasgow Partnership, which has shown that as a public sector organisation, we have reached out to all of the other major stakeholders in the city. We've reached out to the private sector and looked about how we deliver in partnership, how we make that transition in partnership. We have created the £154 million Glasgow Recycling and Renewable Energy Centre, which takes 90% of the waste that previously went to landfill and turns it into electricity and heat. And that electricity goes onto the grid and and is tens of thousands of houses worth of electricity. So we've done many interesting things and, you know, have always been at the kind of front of policy when it comes to justice and climate justice. Um, And that's been that's been recognised. We are the member of many, many major networks like C40 and the Carbon Neutral Cities Alliance, you know, and the Rockefeller 100 cities which we have been invited to join you know, on every occasion. And, and that's based on our reputation of partnership working and, and really driving forward innovation. So I think COP26 is, uh, yes, as you say, it's a terribly exciting thing to have happen. Um, you know, I'm so glad that it is happening. I hope that everyone who should be there gets to be there and contribute to the discussions on um, what hopefully will be the Glasgow Agreement, follow on from the Paris Agreement, and it will be a landmark moment not only for the city or, or for the country, but for the entire world. And hopefully we'll really progress us on to that next step that hopes and um, helps us get to the point where we can at least halt the progress of, of climate change. No, definitely. As a really innovative city, how do you hope to set an example as this host city, all kind of all eyes across the world will be on Glasgow and the summit and what is being discussed and how do you hope as a city to set an example to other areas that maybe aren't where you are in their sustainability journey how do you hope to kind of show off and show what you've been doing and kind of what are the best steps to take to be as innovative as Glasgow clearly is yeah it will show off is a good word I think um, (laughs) I think that's not something that comes naturally to Glaswegians we're, we're maybe a wee bit harder on ourselves than we should be but you know we do really well and I mentioned a number of networks that we're involved in and 
and that element of of show and tell is something that you know we requested to do on, on a number of occasions and i think with cop 26 that network just widens out to the whole world and we take the same approach with you know colleagues in australia as we do with colleagues in sterling um, we do everything we can to show the work that we've done and to listen to and learn from the work that's been done by others so we're actively involved in networks all over the world about sharing that best practice and showing what we're doing and with cop 26 we have a huge example you know to follow in a tradition of hosting great events in this city you know we've, we've got the football this this summer coming we've had the, the commonwealth games recently and and so many other brilliant events in glasgow and, and cop 26 Yes, it's going to be very challenging because of the pandemic and we're yet to see how it will fully materialise, but you can have no doubt that we will be showing our wheels um, in every way possible and, and we'll be inviting people um, to come and see everything we've got and you know, we're utilising even just our public buildings to give delegates from all over the world the chance to come and speak to us, to learn from us, to ask us anything they want and continue that trend that we have of of being an open city and, and, and really telling it like it is, what's and all, as they say, where we've been successful, where we've had challenges, how we've overcome those challenges, how having the citizens of Glasgow is such a huge asset for us. It's, you know, our, our slogan is people make Glasgow and, you know, nothing is true. We wouldn't be where we were if it wasn't for the people of Glasgow, for their efforts, for their involvement, for their candour. <laughs> you know, and, and telling us what they think and keeping us on the right track. So COP26, through in-person discussions, through virtual discussions, through the many different side events that will be hosted during um, the period of COP26, there's so many opportunities for the city to show what it's doing. We'll have a number of visible things for the people to see. We actually just launched at the weekend there our climate clock in the city, which it shows a countdown to the point at which we've passed the point where we can maintain that 1.5 degrees that we agreed at the Paris Agreement, but also shows the volume of renewable power that's been generated to combat that one and a half degrees and in a very fantastic way presents that message to the citizens in the Glasgow. So it's a, a whole clock tower that's been illuminated, beaming that message out every night between now and COP26. And that's really the sort of first visible marker of COP26 coming. With that, we'll have a, a whole number of things all along the the river approaching the site where the, the COP26 has been hosted. And that will show various different um, programmes, plans, community efforts, art collectives, works, um, projections, all sorts of things that tell the story, tell that climate sustainability story that Glasgow's been on over the past over a decade now. Um, as we've got to where we are now and how we intend to get to 2030 and beyond. I think that's great. And like you said about it being about the communities and the people, I think by having those visible markers in the city, it, it's a it's a great way to show kind of the community and the people who live in Glasgow how they, they're part of this journey that you've been on. It's because of them that you've been able to implement these different things because it's all very well and good having all these sustainable projects and things but you need people to engage with them for them to be successful so I think that in itself is a really good kind of example to set to other places all across the world but yeah thank you so much for that Gavin it, it does all sound really great and I've really enjoyed talking today COP26 I find incredibly interesting and I think 
it's been an absolute privilege to talk to you today as kind of someone on the front line who's there getting it all together and for the city so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have yeah thanks very much Catherine thanks for inviting me it's, it's always a, a great pleasure to speak to to people about what we're doing and, and the excitement of COP26 so thank you no no worries so yeah I think we'll leave it there for today and as I mentioned before this is the final episode of this series so they'll all be available on SoundCloud Spotify and YouTube so if you've missed any of them you can catch up online We'll be back with the third series of our Quadrant podcast, so keep an eye out on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Quadrant Group to see what we have coming up. But until then, stay safe, everyone, and see you next series. <laughs>